Hello and welcome to this, a fresh episode of Web3 LFG Pod. And this is the first of probably maybe three. Let's see. I'm going I'm gonna go for three and we'll see how it goes. Three podcasts about my experience at NFT London um, in November 2022. I didn't think I was gonna go to NFT London. Um I don't know if you saw the ticket price, but it was 600 quid plus VAT, and that is 720 pounds, and that is a lot of pounds. Um that is too many pounds, frankly, for uh, for me to go and go to this conference, which is about something that has sort of been somewhere between work and a hobby for me. It's It's been something I've been really interested in. It's been something I've been fascinated by, participated in. Indeed, I have invested money into this space and into my own learning about it. But that much money for a ticket to a thing? Yeah. I mean, I I attend conferences in my work life. They're mostly education-based conferences, so I have some experience of them, and I have certainly seen some ticket prices. Um, So it's it's not like I thought, hey, that's too much, but it is like, hey, I don't have that. However, two days before, the incredible Tiles World project, uh, which I'm delighted to be part of the community, and I own the membership pass. I am really excited to see where they go and what they do, Um, a fashion-based community. just so many interesting things going on. I have talked about them before, um, but they had a pass available for the community uh, as a raffle, and I won it. I'm delighted, excited, so thrilled that not only can I go to NFT London, but that I can do it at such short notice because I live here. Um, it's This is close for me. It is near where I actually work. Um, it is more than straightforward for me to pop across to the QE2 centre and participate. So I find out at short notice that I'm going to this thing and then everything is suddenly open. You get to kind of walk through the doors and I realise as I do that just how I suppose not not excluded, not not deliberately excluded because as I say I've seen conference prices and they are money. Um, But I don't know, somebody threw open a door and took me in with them. Literally a project took me in with them. How exciting. Um, And with such short notice, I didn't really have a plan. I didn't really know what I was going to do when I was there. I knew that obviously I wanted to see uh, Stephanie Shukande from Tiles World speak. Her uh, panel was on the second day. There were a couple of uh, panel titles when I looked at the agenda and I thought, okay, I'm going to try and get to that. And I kind of went without a plan last minute, just straight over, through the door, what is this, what will it be like, who's going to be there? And I think the first thing that really surprised me when I got to the QET was, um, firstly, like not everyone was there when the doors were open, like usually when I go to a conference, everyone is there on it, I don't know if it's just that educators want more free coffee, Um, maybe that's more of a priority to us, maybe it's um, partly a location thing, I was really surprised by how many people, not from well not even from the UK you know how many people had flown from America from Singapore from India from all sorts of countries in Europe so many places people had come to London for this fantastic I did slightly find myself going did British people have NFTs is this just here because you guys organizing this bought the nft.london domain did we get here because we had a domain available I don't know. Um, I will say that was that was very slightly odd. And I think if there's one thing I, I would have liked a bit more, it would have been um, some 
and you know there may have been there were like six million panels um, i would have liked a couple more kind of uk focused panels this is where we are this is nft london where i'm a london artist i know there were a couple there and, and sometimes i only kind of found out about people afterwards in the tweeting and the reports and things and you know that's certainly better than nothing but i just i would have liked that little local platform to be a bit kind of front and center um and you know that's this podcast is where I talk about the things that occur to me about how I feel about what I am seeing and experiencing in Web3. So uh, that's one of those thoughts and feelings that I had. You're here in our marvellous, well, you know, the city that we have. And um, yeah, there, there've got to be some people doing NFTs here, right? Why aren't they front and centre? Um, you're in our home. Let's let's share. But hey, um, I think maybe that has been one of the things that I've found surprising about my whole Web3 journey is how quiet it often is um, in Britain, in the UK. And the active disinterest, the real dismissal, un understandably in, in many areas, because when you think about what people know, and this is other podcasts really bear this conversation out, when you think about what people know about Web3, when you think of um, the presentations that people get, which are often of let's say not the best experiences happening it's not surprising that people haven't really taken it on and one thing that did come straight through from nft london to my non web3 presence to my kind of web2 spaces was um two things firstly the how do we present nfts at the nft conference and secondly these rooms are kind of empty so i want to address the second one first these rooms are kind of empty there are so many rooms in the QE2 centre. I mean, it's it's a great conference centre. If you don't have experience of the many places you can attend conferences in the UK, that's a good one. It's it's a top end one. I bet that was not cheap. Um, those kind of that scale of room, those that number of seats. Uh, it's not usually possible to have that many simultaneous spaces and panels. And certainly with the number of uh, talks and panels that the conference had booked, they needed that kind of space. And I think that what this space gave us was a lot of choice. You might say too much choice. Certainly there were a great many things that were on at the same time as other things. And in the end, I stopped looking and I thought, well, look, this is that we've got pathways here. We've got different tracks that we can follow. And those are by and large in the same room. That is good organising. And I thought, well, I'm going to try and focus predominantly on the art track because personally, that's where I'm most interested. It's where I'm most passionate. And it's perhaps the area that I know the least about. I've had the least experience in kind of talking with artists or hearing from artists or understanding the experience of the NFT artist. I also love to see that, um, that we had curators. We had people who run galleries and exhibitions on panels in the art track. Um, it was much more about the environment in which NFT art is not just being created, but sold and understood and explained to the wider art collecting audience and that was fascinating for me um i would really appreciated kind of the variety of people uh that there was the opportunity to hear from in that field and yes it did end up coming to the exclusion of like the eight other tracks that were possible to follow that day but you can't do everything in two days and there is a lot going on um so i'm glad i'm glad i picked that i'm glad i stuck with uh by and large, the art-based panels, and I, I'm looking forward to doing a whole other pod on uh, what I thought, what I learned, and uh, 
my responses because I really did find it sort of transformative in in some of my understanding and my interpretation of uh, how things actually are and where we are and what this space is. But that's another time. Um, in terms of the experience of kind of actually going in and hearing these things, you know, sometimes there were very small audiences. It's true. Like I say, I'm still surprised at how few people were like their first thing not just the first day, but also the second day. I mean, I get it. You need a hotel breakfast. If you're coming all this way, you've got to be fortified. And um, whilst we're commenting on the organisation, I was surprised there was no food the, on the second morning. I mean, again, you may have had a hotel breakfast, but I just got on the train. So I I was really hungry on the second day until they brought out the lunch. But, you know, that's a, that's a minor quibble, which, what can you say? There was at least enough coffee. And that's not the case at every conference you ever go to. You don't always have enough coffee. So I would like to shout out to the baristas who were constantly busy throughout the day. I got through a great deal of coffee and a lot of peppermint tea. And it was a good peppermint tea. I mean, I, I can't complain about that either. Um, but there were a lot of people. There were a lot of things to see. And the optics... Sure, you can you can make that Twitter post and say, hey, it's a bit sad. And sometimes I would see, you know, five people on stage and 12 people in the audience and think, I hope I hope this feels okay for you. I hope you're all right with this. It's worth bearing in mind that these talks were recorded and we were aware that talks were going to be recorded. They will be distributed. And I think anytime you have something that's going to be either hybrid and we'll certainly see more conferences that are streamed. I hope it was a shame in a way that there was no digital ticket available for this because certainly they had the functionality to properly live stream um, this conference. I'm, I'm sure that is something that could have been done. And I'm slightly interested about the decisions not to do it. I assume that what with the amount of people traveling, it may well have been a concern around um, ticket sales. Um, I guess that's a choice that you have to make. But certainly with everything being recorded, it did give that little bit of flexibility about kind of whose panel do you want to physically attend? Maybe where do you want to be seen? I, I don't know. That could be something for people. I don't really maintain that kind of presence here. So, I, you know, for me, it was just nice to be able to go and sit and see where things went. Certainly, though, being one of a few people in the audience did not at all affect my appreciation of things. When I think about how much I got out of the panels I went to, irrespective of the number of people in the audience and sometimes perhaps even enhanced by the lack of a louder um, audience. I'm very grateful that I was at the things I was at, that I learned the things I learned. It didn't bother me. Um, I would say the only thing that did bother me, oh, if you want to chat to people, like don't do it in the room where a panel is going on. That, is that not, does that happen in, in Web3 stuff? It just, oh. I found that that really started to bug me by the end of day one. Just the amount of people who would kind of either come off stage or stand at the back of the room chatting and they'd be louder than the people on the stage. And you're like, I want to hear them. And you have like the whole of the rest of the QE2, like atrium everywhere. It, so many places you have to stand there. And it's really odd. Um, you know, that made me very uncomfortable um, at times. Anyway, though. I just I think it's a little unfair to say this is not enough audience because what is enough audience and in a room that size you can't fill every room that size um, in that in that sort of way I just found that 
I understand it's it's a, an effective Twitter post and it opens the door for people to have all of their thoughts and suspicions confirmed. But there were certainly plenty of people at NFT London. Like it was pretty packed. Every floor had stuff going on. Yeah, maybe every panel was not quite as um, massively attended as it could have been. And I hope that people did not necessarily feel disappointment for that. For as I say, I did not find the number of people in the audience to be proportional to the amount that I got from the talk. Um, I also saw some criticisms that there weren't uh, many Q&A sessions. I think, yeah, a couple of the ones I went to did have some q and I found it quite refreshing having it be a bit more one way in the auditorium. I don't know if I, you know, we, we are a Twitter-based area for, for many of us. We are discussion. We are people's conversations. Um, I see them all the time. I quite enjoyed not having to see what somebody, you know, those moments when someone stands up and I mean, we've covered it. This is more of a statement than a question. I was really glad that we didn't have to go through that most of the time. Um, and I, I found it very enjoyable to just know what I was going to hear and hear it and move on. Um, I, I kind of enjoyed not having that stress. I will say I found it quite lonely and this is by and large, almost certainly my own fault. I mean, I found out I was going with such little time to spare, but everybody did seem to know each other and they would say, oh, you know, go go up and talk to people or, you know, the MC would be like, yeah, you can go and approach them and, and talk about these things or they'd be like, yeah, come and talk to me about stuff and I'd be like, I don't have anything to say. I liked your talk. That was good. What, what are you going to say? How do you start a conversation? How? I'm British. I'm of a certain age. You don't bother people unless you're in a queue. And it's fine to talk to people in the queue because you're kind of trapped there and you've all got something in common because you're queuing for a thing and that's how you make the best of it. And that is my experience of uh, of networking. You you want to talk to people, you get in the queue. Um, not a great deal of queues at uh, NFT London. I talked to two people precisely at the whole time. Uh, firstly, uh, the bloke in the coffee queue on day one. Joy to meet you, sir. Uh, nice conversation. And I think you were obviously... Um, slightly younger British person, slightly better equipped to uh, to do some small talk. And that was lovely. Um, and it was, you know, I was grateful for that conversation because that kind of kept me going a little bit throughout the two days. And, and second day, I uh, got to meet Stephanie of Tiles World and legend that she is. She immediately gave me her partner's space for the puppy room and we went off there. And by the way, I think it is hilarious that all of the talk around um, around the conference on day one on day two even uh, quite a lot of it was centered around the puppy room i think everybody who uh, booked themselves in had a fine old time with the tiny puppies and the enthusiastic people running it and that was <laughs> just a weird delight how uh, how marvelously web3 that uh, kind of the most connecting experience that uh, some of us had would be this really tangible here is this tiny tiny puppy um which just wants to fall asleep in your lap or chase a ball or um, do the thing that was that was just really delightful um so you know shout out to the puppy room but i i hadn't quite expected that to be such a sort of um popular maybe such a popular prevalent thing one of the other things about um about the sort of setup of it was it felt like everybody was on a level everybody who'd attended especially people who come a long way i mean they all had a certain context that I think I felt like I didn't have particularly as as a newer person here particularly as a less sociable 
person in this space. And I'm, this is not to complain. This is not to say I'm not a very sociable person and go, wow, I was not sociable. It's um, it's not. These are observations. Uh, but it did feel like most people knew each other, and I'm sure that they did. I was surprised really genuinely surprised by how many of the panelists I already follow on Twitter. Um, there were a couple of people where they'd be talking, I'd be like, oh, I have one of your NFTs. I bought your art. I didn't know that was you. I didn't put your involvement in this project together with your handle or your presence. Um, I was sort of delighted by that sometimes. Um, again, it was that thing about how kind of NFT London had people's real names. I think sometimes people's surprise <laughs> um, ahead of their maybe either their sort of Twitter handles or their artist names and so on. And it seemed like people had approached that really quite differently uh, when filling out the form. Certainly it was something that um, confused me a bit when I was doing it too. Anyway, I knew of a lot of people. I did not personally know them, but then I haven't really made much of an effort to specifically know people. But that did mean, as I was wandering around, there was lots of kind of very clear groups people who are so excited to be in the room together you don't want to go and interfere with that do you You know people crossed oceans and they're meeting and they're in london they're going to do the thing um i also had to work in uh, in the real job a couple of times during these days so i did not get to do the pub trips although looking at the state of some of the people on friday no shame have a good time you know this is this is the event this is the place to have fun it looks like a good time was had by many and i am delighted by that um so yeah, it is a small world, isn't it? Web3. I think this really made me feel that all the more. Um, sometimes I felt as I'm going along, you know, am I am I on the right track? Do I really understand what I'm doing? Have I learned anything? And this kind of made me feel like I had as I was sort of looking at um, bits and pieces from the different tracks of things I did get to catch. I thought, I do have some understanding of this. I do sort of know what some of the legal issues surrounding this are. When people talk about what they think the future is, I do feel versed in those conversations. Uh, when people talk about the kind of post-merge world, I feel comfortable about that. I do like saying eth, and I'm not going to say eth, and I just realise that makes me sound really uninformed in, in a context, but there we go. I picked my pronunciation way back, and I'm looking at a British vowel, and I'm going to lay it on that and hope that that will get me through. Um Having said what a small world it is, I guess we also want it to get bigger, right? I assume. And I did wonder at times. And when people were talking about where they thought Web3 was going to go and how the future would look and how we discuss NFTs and the blockchain and so on in the future, I wonder sometimes if it's if it's quite as we think, lots of people are saying, well, we won't talk about NFTs and maybe we should stop talking about NFTs and maybe we shouldn't think about um, things in, in blockchain terms um, when we're talking to our outside audience. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure about this. I, you know, back back in the day, not to be that web one person, but here I am. Uh, we, we say, you know, oh, in the future, we won't talk about the Internet. There won't be any line between online and offline. You won't understand when you're going online. It will all just be completely automated. And that's not how it is. We, we do have separations of digital and actual. It's not the metaverse now. Um, and I think when you, you look at uh, where the metaverse still is, we're so far from seamless experiences it's possible for your fridge to reorder things when you've 
finished them, but it's not normal. Yes, we do have an internet of things in our houses. We do have a kind of online home. But I think we still understand that conceptually. And I don't think that we take the language away. Basically, what I'm saying is I don't think taking the word NFT away is going to do anything um, to particularly help. I think increasing understanding of what token-based possession is, of what blockchain connectivity means, of what the underlying technology allows that is different, I think that can only help because I think a lot of Web2 folly has been that sort of seamless secret integration of things that are buried in cookies and stuff you have to click to approve and the things that have made a website completely inaccessible or web design just with the infinite pop-up barriers all of these problems I think are caused by trying to bury stuff and pretend that we're not using something that we're using and in the same way that we will need wallets in one way or another, we will need to have wallets to interact with things. I think if we try too hard to bury that, to um, deny people a full understanding of the technology that we're asking them to engage with, that we think the future will require them to engage with, then I think we're going to have a problem. And I think it's going to be ugly and I think it will be annoying. So I think maybe we don't have to worry about the words so much because it's not our fault that the words have the perception that they have specifically. It's simply how things have evolved. You know, internet was a bad word for a long time. Internet friends are real friends is a fight we're still having. Um, But most people understand now, because most people use the internet, that it's not all bad, that it is simply just another space in which humans are and a set of tools that we have access to and we do the things that we do with them. That, I think, is the future that's coming. I realise this may not seem like um, like the segue you were expecting in the NFT London Review podcast, but it's probably the dominant thought that I came out with. I think we need to stop hoping that Web3 will be invisible. And I think that denying the language won't be the win that we might want it to be. And then finally, so many of the panels were so explanatory in a sense as well and I thought I I don't know who the audience is here because talking about how everybody's kind of on a level a similar kind of investment everyone is an artist everyone is an investor everybody has some kind of web three work because (laughs) again when you look at the prices and things you kind of have to be this was not a space at which you could go to uh, start out you weren't just going to pop in here and learn from the ground up There was no kind of experience uh, that you might get to properly introduce you to things. Yet I still feel a bit like we're talking to each other in in a slightly lopsided way. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe that's just me. But I wasn't sure who we were as audiences and panels and who we thought we were addressing. And what I'm perhaps getting at is when you look at the kind of curatorship and what you want to come from the cumulative attendance and conversation, how did you want to further the understanding? What was the goal of NFT London itself? What were the conversations it wanted to further? You know, how did we want to develop inclusiveness? How did we want to expand understanding of what it is to be an NFT artist? Where was the space 
to grow and develop the community? Or was it just an opportunity to come together, hang out and say, here, here I am and this is what I'm thinking about? Maybe that's what it was. And maybe I am too used to other sorts of conferences that in, them, in and of themselves, in order to generate attendance and conversation, have to have somewhere that they're going. I don't know. I'm speculating. And, uh, and this is my place to do that. So uh, next time I'll talk a bit about the Art Tracker NFT London and my thoughts and feelings about it and uh, just how it's completely changed some ways in which I'm viewing digital art, NFT art and the art community. And just to close up, finally, I'll say I'm really grateful that I got to go. So thank you to Artswell and thank you NFT London, all the panellists, all the content there was a lot to experience here and i don't know if i don't i hope people enjoyed it as much as i overall really did i hope people got something out of it even if it was just a great time with your mates and meeting people that you've never actually met in real life what a cool thing that in itself is cool um i hope one day i'll be able to afford to do that kind of thing again and actually have some people's chat too good times <laughs>